Hello and welcome to Happy Place. I'm Fern Cotton and this is the show that acknowledges that we're all always a work in progress. Today, I'm chatting to Ruby Wax. When I was in TV, I would insult them, not my guests, like people behind the scenes. And then I'd smile and they'd go, did she just try to hurt my feelings? But I'd smile and then they'd think, "Okay, I'm safe. And then I'd whack them again and then I'd smile. And it was like playing with a mouse if you were a cat. And I realized because they say the way you treat other people is the way you think to yourself. And I knew I was doing something. But when they say certain things at this 30 day retreat and your mind is pretty blank, stuff comes home. Ruby is a comedian and best-selling author. She also happens to be a good friend. Oh my God, I met Ruby years and years ago through Comic Relief. I didn't see her for many years after that, but I think because we've had a sort of similar journey of not really working in mainstream media so much these days, preferring to kind of do our own thing, we've reconnected over the years and shared a lot of really fun chats about mental health and just general wellness and mindfulness which she is quite frankly an expert in. Ruby is just hilarious as I'm sure you all know and this chat will definitely deliver some laughs along the way. I've been obsessed with Ruby's work for a very long time. Growing up as a kid of the 80s and 90s, watching Ruby's incredible interviews on TV was not only formative and hugely inspirational, but massively entertaining. Still to this day, I'll watch back Ruby's interviews, her interviewing Madonna on a bed, chasing Jim Carrey around a hotel room. Just incredible, lively and high-octane interviews. She is just the absolute best and has inspired me so massively. We actually begin this chat talking about that era of her career, which she also recently discussed on Louis Theroux's podcast. She had always kind of felt that Louis previously had sort of stolen her thunder in terms of that interview-type show, but... Having that chat with Louis seemed to be quite healing for her, I think. You'll hear her talk about that in just a moment. Ruby's latest book, I'm Not As Well As I Thought I Was, recounts her time in a mental health clinic last year. I'll let her tell the story of how she came to write the book in a moment because she can tell stories like no one else on this planet. The way that she describes things is out of this world. But suffice to say, it's a phenomenally powerful read. Oh, and before we start, I'm going to say there's some very colourful language in this chat. And quite frankly, I'd expect nothing less from the one and only Ruby Wax. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. For those of you joining us at the Happy Place Festival this weekend, don't forget to check out our festival area on the Happy Place app. It contains all you need for your visit in one place. You've got schedules, a map and some exclusive discounts from our festival shopping partners. To access this area, simply download the app and register for free. And if you can't make the festival, never fear. If you sign up to the Happy Place app today for full access, you can get 40% off our annual subscription as part of our limited time summer offer. Head to the Happy Place website for more details. Summer of self-love offer ends 10th of September. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, let's do it. Here's the show. Ruby Wax. Hi. Hi, Ruby. Again. Again. Here I am for you to... Um, what is it when you kind of artificially get an erection? <laughs> Pump up my career. Okay. No. That is... No, I'm not having just, you be self-deprecating. That's my... Um, 
I know. Okay. We're here today. Take it out. Whenever we see each other, I think we 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 meet heart to heart, head to head, and we have a good old chat about everything. Everything. Literally everything. <laughs> the last time we did this was May 2019, and no. Yes. No, no, no. It was. I checked. I checked the date. I scrolled back. Oh, then it was frazzled. I know. It was May 2019. I came to your house. You weren't there. Uh, why should I be? It's only you. <laughs> I know I had to be let in by your husband. I thought you were a trick-or-treater. <laughs> I hid. But we had a really lovely chat. But it, there's so much more to cover because it's been a wild time. <laughs> I know. 2019. The next time you interview me, I'll be dead. <laughs> You, then you will open the door and not see me either. <laughs> like last time. Yeah. Well, we have a lot to catch up on. Um, I very much enjoyed your show, looking back at your interviews from the 90s. Yeah. I was a huge fan back then of what was going on, but it was wonderful to watch you viewing all of those old interviews. How was that experience? Well, you know, I Louis and Louis through interviewed me and he said um I he wanted me to be I guess what he thought I was and I forbade my kids to ever use his name cuz in my mind he took the food out of my children's mouth cuz he imitated what I did. That's what I thought. I'd never seen his show. But if you said the word I would get indigestion, if yeah. not vomit. So um I'm doing it now. But anyway, Louis called and um, I said, I do a podcast, but you know how you go, yeah, yeah, next year and then next year comes. But I thought, I'm going to be really honest with him, right? So I had two people putting their hands on me to calm me down so I wouldn't go into, you know, um, have a panic attack. Mm -hmm. So there were two people, but obviously you can't see that, holding me, healers, because I was in um, Findhorn and they're only healers. And they said, my stomach's growing. It can growl. This is just no, you're a human. I'm with gonna a... throw up. <laughs> Don't throw up. I'm having a flashback. <laughs> is it the thought of Louis? Theroux no, but and he ended up like my best friend. You really get on now. We really get on. So I said, um, Louis, I had some problems. I just, you know, it was maybe giving you the two baftas, and in my mind, you cut me dead. And I've never forgiven you. So I, I didn't want to do any BS kind of interview where yeah. I smile and I pretend everything's. I said, so can we just talk about it? And he was taken back, thinking this is going to be a fun and zappy interview. And so I was real with him, and he was real back. And it went on for three hours. It was like a real interview instead of thinking, oh, I got to do shtick. I think I talked about that, you know, the the always being put down by men, you know, starting with my dad who thought I was an idiot, and I would always be replaced almost as a daughter. And so that that was an experience, again, of being put down and like you weren't good enough and crawling and begging and saying please let me I didn't because I can't do those reality shows you know I could have said you know at the end of your career when you really want to humiliate yourself you go ice skating on an island and eat your young <laughs> or one of those I can't yeah. do it I no. fine if you can you know if you want to take the money and run to me it's just you you know I had such great I had such a great time doing the documentaries the celebrity wasn't that interesting, but I thought, oh, they'll let me go back to, I did the AA, um, I, what was it, I'm not, it wasn't the people that come and fix your tire, I did the Cool Cats Clan, I've got yes. dyslexia, KKK, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they made me a wizard, which is one of the first times they made a Jewish woman a, a wizard, but, you know, I get on with everybody, and I pretend, oh, it's totally normal what you're doing. And they play into your hands. And then Louis did it, but I never saw it. And then that morning I watched Louis and I thought, you're really talented. And I can, his career is going to last forever. It, but that's quite, that's a, that's a lovely full circle. Because so I think those things can haunt you when you've built up a narrative around, he, he stole my job. Yeah. I can't bear this. But actually, you're not there anymore. You, you're in a good place with him and you like what he does. And it No, was... I, it was the first time I saw it and yeah. I thought, I get what you're doing and you're holding back. Whereas I did, like, I was showing off and I was a little girl trying to appeal to the audience and going, love me, love me. And that's but it's so disgusting. Funny. I know, like, you've, you say this in the book, obviously, as well, and that, and that being sort of, you know, something that obviously came from childhood, like you say, with your dad. As a viewer, as a young person, watching... At that point, to me, the only female doing that in the 90s, I was just in awe. I didn't see someone trying to get anyone's approval. I just thought, like, you're, you, I've watched your interview with Madonna so many times now. 
And she is not an easy person to interview. No. As we, I've interviewed her only once, but not easy. No. And you not only held her concentration, you kept her on her toes. And I don't think many people have done that. Well, the thing uh, that I had, which, you know, to be fair is, well, not so much with her, but I'd have a week with everybody. Those were the days where they'd say you have five minutes, but then you'd start flirting with them and you'd show them a good time. And you, Efner, would say, OK, move into the Playboy Mansion or because that's why I was talking so fast and trying to be funny. So they'd go, wait a minute, PR, go to hell, let her come in. But when it didn't work, like with men like my dad, like Trump, yeah, very similar. And Bill Cosby, who tried to choke me to death, that was awful. I mean, he made O.J. Simpson seem like you know the nicest guy you've ever met. I didn't know how to handle it. I'm just talking about those because some of the interviews I did make Carrie Fisher, you know, oh. it was my best friend for 35 years. That's so, so that's beautiful. worth a whole career. That's worth a whole career. It is. It is, and it's. You know, for someone like me who wanted to work in TV at that point and wanted to do something that felt exciting and fun, you know, you were it, you were doing it, and you've paved the way for for so many of us. I mean, massively. It was fun, and it, and I, I'm not being stupid. I did have a good time. Yeah. You know, it was like the unpopular girl suddenly meets prom queen. You know, you're with Sharon Stone, and you're going, I don't, I'm not worthy. But we did have a good time. The thing is, what I meant was, if you're playing a personality, that's only got a limited time. Whereas Louis playing Louis, mm. that's not me at all. It kind of is when I'm having a good time, but people get tired of a caricature. Sorry, I'm choking to death. This has never happened in my tea. life. Have some tea. Have some tea. It's never happened in my life. Have I've some never tea. made these noises. Do you know what Maybe I mean? you're it's, sort of exercising something. It's coming so, out through your throat chakra. I've never made that noise yeah. in my life. It's your, this is deep Can healing. You hear it? This is hear deep it? healing. It's not even my stomach. It's coming out of my vulva. Yeah, this is uh, wow. Not my vulva. What's that? You little thing in the back of your throat. You little. So you I hope know, your vulva's not there. No, but you know that little thing that hangs I there in the back. You know, it's near your larynx. I don't know what it's called, but that thing there. But I do think there's something in talking about. Stuff. Stuff. Yeah. Because actually, not long after I interviewed you in 2019, I had a massive cyst on my vocal cords. They wouldn't shut. They, it was like a pee. And it was just air coming out when I was speaking, which is obviously disastrous in what I do. And it was all due to, like, not saying stuff. Wow. And then I got rid of it naturally. So it wasn't, I, it, wasn't it was benign. Yeah, it was benign, right. thank God. But I was going to have to have an operation. I was going to have to learn how to speak and again. And it went away. Yeah, I went away. I wrote a book about it called Speak Your Truth because I wasn't. And it went. Wow. And it's quite unusual. You mean when you started saying the truth yes. about things, it went away? It went. Isn't that funny that we've all, I've always feel like we meet at peculiar times in my life and we discuss. Now, I didn't know you had a tumour. I'm getting one. <laughs> Please drink it away with tea immediately. Um, let's talk about your brilliant book. I'm not as well as I thought I was, which I loved reading um, for all the reasons that I love you, that it's brilliant and incredibly clever and very funny and extremely honest. And it starts off with you in a mental institution. Yeah. And this was something that you had not seen coming because you hadn't experienced a big depression in 12 years yeah, at this point. I stayed clean. So, so tell me about this. You were in a Christian community in Leeds. Well, let me back it up. Back up. What, yeah, I pitched uh, to do some kind of book. You know, I, Mama needed new shoes. So I said, I'm going to do a book about going on these extraordinary journeys, especially after lockdown, and find meaning. Yeah. Right? And they paid, right? I didn't, I kind of half-assed. So I started doing these journeys, like a 30-day silent retreat, swimming with whales, going to try to get people out of Afghanistan, I was going to do a heroic, is it what it's called? A heroic dose of psilocybin, but I got COVID. And thank God, because I must have had that mental illness bubbling away. Right. That would, I did get off of medication six months earlier because you can't take antidepressants and psilocybin yeah. at the same time. That may have been it. But people go, oh, is it from going on all these journeys you ended up in a mental ward? P.S. No. Because you can be winning an Oscar and still want to kill yourself yeah. and have depression. So it... It isn't situation appropriate, but I did get off medication to do that psilocybin, which I never did. Too bad or too good. But anyway, um, that was what, what my book was about. And so I wrote about all these journeys and a friend of mine said, this book is crap. Like, it just looks like a travelogue about, you know, why not go to a health spa? It's just crap. 
And then after the Christian monastery, because I was still doing them, I ended up something, I thought, do I have jet lag? Or, because you never remember what it is. It's like when women have their periods, they think, why do I want to take a, you know, go to McDonald's and kill people with a bow and arrow? And then you think, <laughs> oh yeah, that happened last time I, I had my exactly. period. So you really yeah. forget when you have depression. And so I, what was happening, like what was coming on at this point when you were like, shit, something's not right? I, I was in the Christian monastery. I rolled up like a ball where you go, I can't move my arm. And everything went into kind of glue and clocks are jumping around, you know, so you can't tell, is it a minute, is it an hour? And I really thought somebody slipped me one of those date rape drugs, which would be weird in a Christian monastery. That would be off It'd brand. be weird, but yeah. it could happen. Mm. So I started pretending everything was okay, but y y y I couldn't figure it out. And I was singing along in their services, hymn 409 about Jesus <laughs> and living and loving and being with Jesus. But I knew something was really wrong. Yeah. And then I called a shrink and he said, you're about to hit the wall. Get on a train. And so I had to go to Father, whatever his name is, and say, I know you think I'm a wanker, which I said, um, I'm either possessed by the devil and I don't want to bother you with an exorcism because I'm a guest <laughs> here. But please, could you take me to a train station? Yeah. So I did end up in a mental ward. And then from there, and it wasn't funny. No. Um, but from a mental ward, I wrote about a woman, me who was going on all these journeys to find meaning and wouldn't find wouldn't know meaning if it kicked her in the ass because I was really, uh, something had happened in my childhood which I never faced. So I didn't have a tumor in my throat, but I did, something was wrong. And only because they wouldn't give me new medication unless I saw a therapist who does EMDR, which I thought, okay, we're in Holcomb land. Mm -hmm. um, but I said, if you change my drugs, I'll do it. And she did take me down and down and down so it's sort of a journey going in and another journey going out yes and she did reveal something that I mean if you want me to be a horrible uh kind of saleswoman it made a good plot it made a great plot because as you say you've got both things running in tandem you've got these you know journeys of wonderful such journeys and, which are brilliant and then you've got the really gritty stuff that you know mm. you're being again incredibly generous in sort of sharing that side of it and so let's talk about the the psychiatry because you were faced with things like the word trauma which you thought was as you say Oprah, Oprah word yeah. which I love EMDR these new therapies ideas of looking into childhood you didn't want to look at as no. you call them the horror they asked shows me when I remembered the horrible things and I said I don't tell anybody my age <laughs> and finally I admitted, admitted I was four <laughs> They had just discovered the wheel, but right. I was four. And then she took me to four, and I, I just was sarcastic the whole time. And she said, cut the comedy. And I said, I can't, because this is how I made friends. And um, you know, not to name drop, but Alan Rickman was my mentor. When I first met him, I was really young, and I wanted to make him laugh. So I turned my childhood into comedy, which he said, I'll direct this, because my parents were, their word is, there's no word. But Carrie Fisher said, your parents are almost as crazy as mine. I think I wrote that. And so I thought, I'm on to something. And so I used to imitate them. Um, and Rickman said, this is brilliant. I was better at that than I was at Shakespeare. That's where I met him in the RSC. <laughs> Don't ask. Okay, I played like a piece of furniture in a, <laughs> in a plastic bag, but it's still the RSC. Well, correct. And I did not go there. So that is one brilliant thing. Yep. Um, then I spoke and people were horrified. Because, I, you know, I, I didn't really have... I had the accent down a little bit, but people go, is there somebody from Chicago and loves Labor's Lost? <laughs> there is now. But I was fun, so they kept me in there. So so going into your childhood and the stuff that you didn't want to look at without humour, how was that and how has it helped? It was almost... Because I'm so used to covering that she kept having to peel it back. I mean, how was it? It was... Uh, it was an eye-opener to me. I, You know, sometimes you know something's wrong, but because it's your normal, I didn't think it was. It's like if you were beaten a lot, you think, oh, everybody is. You don't compare notes when you're an only child. I knew they were crazy because my dad, I wrote about it, chased me into my girlfriend's house. Actually, not my girlfriend, a really popular girl, which made it even worse, who lived across the street and was trying to kick me, but all the girls crowded around, so it was like I called it an <laughs> igloo of humans and he was trying to get me between their legs and being 
unpopular and that happening is even more humiliating. So then they really treated me like, oh, hi, you know, really vicious. So he didn't have to do that. And I thought they I got that it wasn't normal eventually. And then I never understood why I never saw a night and never went on a date. I just didn't get it. Sometimes they'd let me, but they'd drive me and watch me. And then I realized until I was 18, I wasn't allowed out. I thought that was normal. I thought I didn't even know kids were going on dates. I mean, don't feel sorry for me. I just didn't know. I don't mean don't feel sorry for me. I just, if you don't know, it's normal. And it's normal not to have a key to get back in. So when you get back in, it's like the Gestapo. Well, and they were, they escaped from Germany and then they brought it to Evanston. So they, my dad would dump out the ashtray and say, what is this? This is a gum wrapper. Is this Yvonne Mary? Which is his way of saying marijuana. And I, you know, everything was watched. Everything was watched. Even in my bedroom. And I have nightmares about it. They burst in to see what I was doing. And so I have to now, still to this day, live in small rooms that are about five feet by eight feet so I can watch the doorknob. And that when I was in the bathroom, I'd hear her breathing. And then she'd get in. I have dreams that I can't lock the door. And I couldn't lock the door or find the lights because they lived in darkness. And then she'd sneak in like like liquid and wash my underpants over and over again. It was weird. And it's interesting. It's too weird. This is not, there's no, I've there's, stopped joking, though. Yeah, you stopped joking. And also, there is no such thing as too weird. We cover everything and we look at everything and we... I guess as much as you're weird. happy to. But I, I guess think, in Appalachia, they do weirder stuff. Yeah, they do. Where, there's weirder stuff everywhere. And I think the interesting thing is... It's one thing to recognise that you had a childhood that felt unusual or there was bits of it that you're still unpicking and trying to figure out. But it's another thing to then realise how much of that is driving you still today. And there's a part of the book where you're looking at you aged eight and the shrink, as you call her in the book, is saying even your success has been driven partly by that eight-year-old wanting approval mm. and wanting to keep moving all the time. How much would you she say? She says a really interesting, it's not her poem, but there's a great poem about a fairy coming in. It's beautiful. I, she didn't write it. Coming in and seeing a child that's so um, frozen and saying, I'm going to stiffen your neck. I'm going to harden your heart. I'm going to take this all away until someday when you're an adult, I can melt you down and you can take this. But in the meantime, I'm going to make you dead and walking. And so that's sort of what happened is I shut down. I shut down. But I could do a personality, but shut down. Do you see that the eight-year-old is still driving you still sometimes now and you have to kind of have Well, that, that was good therapy. I mean, it did yeah. work. So when she starts rearing her head, I do have images of saying, shh, 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 it's okay, it's over, the battle's done. You know what I mean? I did learn. Yeah. She may rise. And the other thing is I'm not cocky. I will have depression again. It's in my blood. It's like herpes. It will come back. It will come back. It will come back. Um... I mean, we we talked about this before we came into the studio upstairs. We've both had a similar relationship with the TV, TV industry. You can't even say it. I see it. I see it. I see it as a toxic ex-boyfriend that sometimes I go back to and I know I shouldn't. And I'm like, why am I doing this? He won't call me again and he won't text and he'll treat me like shit even though I'm going back. But there's that horrible temptation to do it anyway. And I sort of dip in and out of it very rarely these days because I know I don't fare well in that world. Mm. And that is very much part of, you know, I don't know what bit of my childhood, but there's certainly a childlike someone driving that show. So how do you feel about the TV world now? And you'll know this. It's the disease of fame. Yep. You remember the days your body, and you take anybody off the street and give them that treatment, they're going to get it too. You know, it's if somebody has STD, you're going to catch it. Mm. So the same thing with fame where they infantilize you. Yeah. Going, Would you like a cup? What about a bicky? And eventually you can't use your fingers anymore because everybody's getting you a lovely bicky. Yeah. And they're driving you places. And people are laughing at you even when you don't say anything funny. So you start to think, oh, my, my God, I'm so talented. Maybe I am this interesting. And then it's suddenly taken away and you're left with, an inability to get your own cup of tea and call a restaurant and you'll get a table. Try it when you're not famous. And that smack in the face, it's no big deal, but it is you were on heroin. Um, it hurts your heart because you had attention. 
And no human can take that much attention and then have it ripped away. That's why that way is madness for all those soap stars. Yeah, I think the whole thing's madness and there's still it's still the myth, isn't it, that it means something, it's going to make you feel better inside, whereas it does absolutely but it, nothing. But it, you tread water. I mean, when yeah. you're in it, you don't have to think about aging or death or um, you don't have to think about it's the ultimate distraction. Mm-hmm. It's the ultimate. You might as well just hit the drink or take Coke. It's the same addiction. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I mean, we talked about this last time you came on, but you you made a complete U-turn. You know, your pivot... As I'm a, a whore. <laughs> I'm a whore. If you pay me, I'll do almost anything. No, I'm with talking my about mouth. the fact that you went off and you went and you studied and you got your degree and oh, oh. you're an expert in mindfulness. Like you decided to to do something, you know, a complete rebellion in the face of fame and, and the TV industry. You went for the other end of the scale. Yeah, I'm in a way. I thank Louis and a few other people that fired me because you wouldn't. Uh, if I was this age and I was still trying to get getting on ice, going to an island and eating your young, I would probably take to the um, sleeping pill mm. a lot. Um, so in a way, I'm glad I did the jump like you are, because when you're, you know, when you're not 20, you need dignity. I, that's something people don't take into consideration or you need self-respect. Maybe some people don't even know what that means, but a lot of people want to hold their head up so that when people come over and they say things like, you know, my brother almost killed himself, but he read your book. You know, they don't always say that, but they say something. Don French was next to me when somebody said something like, I was really about to get quite ill, but, you know, it's something, you know, something to do with me. And then people were taking lots of selfies of her, like hundreds and, not, and she said, I'll trade you that for the one person coming over. She didn't say it like that, but she got it. Yeah. She, you know, I mean, I don't have that that yearning for people taking a lot of selfies. And somebody once told me John Cleese walked into a supermarket and um, somebody had a heart attack and he was trying to help him and everybody was standing around laughing. And you know what I mean? That's his. And I think he's gone a little, you know, because he wanted some respect. But he was he left his career being a funny man and he isn't. He's probably pretty intellectual. Mm-hmm. And it drives you mad. Yeah. When you're not when you're being treated as somebody you're not. Yeah. And it's just as much of you know, I like that I la- I made them laugh, but it's even better to say you saved their life. Yeah. It's an amazing but it is an amazing thing you're doing. And with the Frazzle Cafes I'm not saying I saved their life all, you know what I mean, but you gave them something. Well, you more than likely have though. I think, you know, you can't underestimate writing a book that's very honest about mental health or doing the amazing Frazzle Cafe to actually be in community with other people and being But well, these are to... my people. Yeah, yeah. And I hope, you know, this I'm not as well as I thought of was people go, Yeah, that's me too and they won't feel ashamed. Because if you make somebody laugh who's in your tribe, and I've written it so it's not a whine. I mean, it's funny and it's not funny and it's fun. You know, I I can make, when I'm in the mental institution, when I say to the cutters, what pattern were you going after? I can say that. And they just are shining at me. Or one woman coming up and saying, these foxes came in my house and stole my frozen prawns. So what did you do? And she tells you what she did. She got some vegan food and put it out so that the foxes didn't want that. So And, you know, I, I don't go, are you fucking nuts? No. I go, that's not. a great story. Yeah. And you make them go on and they love it. And they know you're not taking the piss because you're them too. Yeah. They see it in your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you were in there, there were several things going on. So you had you had new types of therapy. You had EMDR. I've done that. I found it quite transformative actually I couldn't drive on the motorway at one point at all for like five years and I did EMDR and over about the course of two months I was I can do it now I can just jump on the motorway and I'm fine it does create new neural pathways they don't know how it works it's it's magic nobody knows how that one works 
but, but you found does. that that helped. Yeah, but I was very resistant because I got my, you know, I'd studied therapy. EMDR was never mentioned. Really? Never mentioned because it's a new kind of, you know, mindfulness wasn't mentioned much either, but everything changes. Why shouldn't that get advanced like your iPhone? Yeah, absolutely. So I thought, okay, I'll go along with this, you know, because I got to get out of here. But then they gave me RTMS. So tell us about this. Another bunch of letters. They put something like a, a hairdryer, looks yeah. like a 50s hairdryer in your head, and it goes, ah! Then it waits. It's 18 zaps a second, 55 times. I can't do the math, but I say, I think I say in my book, it's like Woody Woodpecker and his cartoon pals are gangbanging your head. <laughs> so, it, and I thought, this is ridiculous. Mm. But they say if you do 20, one, 20 in succession, there's a 65% chance of recovering. Okay, any EMDR bullshit. Well, 20 se sessions later, I was in the 65%. You don't get out of a mental hospital in three weeks. It takes months before, you know, they can see if the drugs work. So I'm a big fan of that one. And so what is it actually doing to your brain? That recal, you know, there was something called deep brain stimulation, transcranial stimulation. It's been going on for years in America where they, you know, they don't use electricity because... I'll save my lines from this, is that that has side effects like you can't remember your planet of origin. Mm -hmm. This one uses magnets, so there are no side effects. But if you wham it enough, you know, you, on the left side, the the neurons supposedly, and forgive me if any neuroscientists are listening to this, they've gotten a little sluggish. That's why you can't move or think of, because, you know, they're getting a little sluggish so this jacks it up you know the way electricity does so it's like skipping a record you know when you go and get it into the groove it starts to connect the neurons of the 180 trillion billion excuse me connect to ones that are more active and so it starts to you know get back into the speed it should be at so and so you've since you stopped that therapy you've been feeling all okay right. yeah Wow. But they say, you know, if you need to do it again, a couple more. I did do a couple more because I will get it again. But at least I know all these tools. And boy, am I lucky. This is the privileged one. Somebody who hasn't got any uh, insurance. Good luck. Well, this is it. This is why it's we're disgusting. in such a hellhole, because so many people out there are They should be struggling. offered. They should be on every other corner. Yep. P.S. in America, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know we, we did a, 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 again, I text you about this the other week. We did a, a really cool episode with Professor David Nutt all about psychedelics oh, yeah. and all the incredible data and research leading to you know, helping with depression, anxiety, OCD. Yeah, but here's disorders. a bitch, because oh. I know he said you're on antidepressants. You can't, you can't take it. You can't. So what's the, well, you know, we're the ones that probably are going to benefit from it can't take it mm -hmm. so um, they're still in the dark ages yeah we, well they need more funding so they can really ramp up they always need more of it, funding yeah. to know what the brain does but you get more funding for every other disease except the one thing that the mothership yeah this is like the main you know board to connect to every other organ and nobody gives it money mm -hmm. go figure that it's like are we ashamed of our brains I know. Well, I think it's still that weird stigma because it's invisible. What? So is your kidney. <laughs> well, correct. So is your diabetes. Yeah. yeah. I know. It's absolutely mad. I um, mean, people commit suicide not because they had a knee injury. Mm -hmm. So uh, think about it. Not you, but... Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel knowing that it would, it could or will probably come back? Do you feel accepting of it? Were you? No. 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 I mean, it's like the monster yeah. comes back. But I don't live in fear because in my mind, I never had it. <laughs> I wrote this book. Let's do some cuts of my, we'll just cut, the noises. We'll cut it and out. then cut me talking out. So it just sounds like, <laughs> and here's my guest, Ruby Wax. And you hear, <laughs> That'd be so good. Wouldn't that be good? <laughs> To see she couldn't speak, but she had... We'll do that as like a little YouTube special, I think. Yeah, just... <laughs> the ball movement, and I you say um, thank you. Oh, I hope it's not coming out of that end. Um, it's not. But um, what, what you were going to say... Acceptance of depression. Oh, yeah. Yes. I mean, I know it's going to come, Yeah, like we talked about, but yeah. I can't live in fear of it. But usually, the reason I hadn't had it, I think, for 12 years is from the mindfulness, you can spot it early. And it's always about, you know, early warnings. Then I knew to shut down social media. 
and you don't take more jobs, which I used to do when I got it, when I'd feel it, because you go, come on, snap out of it. You know, you stigmatize yourself more than anybody else. Taking on jobs, going to um, learn scuba diving in December, going to things, anything to show up to go, hey, I'm fine. And then you get really ill. Mm. So this time I could feel it. You can feel your saliva goes start and then your hair gets a different texture and the voices in your head that usually the normal ones I'm just an asshole they start getting faster and faster and then I go whoops let's shut it down and and then you bite your you know your tongue and it passes after a few days rather than five months in the lead up to this book were you not doing as many kind of mindfulness activities meditation you were I was but I mean who It'll always override everything. Yeah. Just because you do mindfulness doesn't mean you're not going to get depression. No. You got a disease. Whatever you do, you know, you can get your hair done. It's still going to hit. And when it hits, you don't do mindfulness because you haven't got a mind. Yeah. So, but uh, interestingly, you can always write. No, you can't write. I wrote afterwards. Okay. You cannot write. You no. can't read. You can't write. You wouldn't know what a pen is for. You, If you could write, you haven't got depression. It's when everything goes dead. So when it was better, when I, when I got out, and that's a miracle, getting out in three weeks. I think I made it six in the book, but it was three. Um, then you can write. And if it's gone, it's gone. Wow. That's the thing. It's not your imagination. It's gone. Mm. And you're just, you're fine. Mm. And then people go, oh, how do you do shows when you have depression? You go, because I don't now. Yeah. I don't. Mm. It's unbelievable. How can a body where you hear the person going, I can't live anymore, suddenly be the body that says, yeah, I'm, I am touring in September. How could I do that? You know, when you see yourself in a bed with the sheets over your head, not understanding friends, mm. not understanding the plot was too complicated. And I thought Joey was really the devil. <laughs> I got scared. That's And then you're on tour. Yeah. You wow. Think, How does a body do that? Yeah. Well, we don't know. We don't, we don't, we don't know enough, clearly. Um, looking at these journeys that you took yourself off on, one of them, and you talked about this on Instagram as well afterwards, was the 30-day silent retreat. Yeah. What did you learn from that? When did the brain chatter start to subside to leave some sort of clarity? Or I think you call it awakeness in the book. Um, the first week, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put on your dog. Not your dog, like, uh, you know, an animal your boyfriend that dumped you nobody should go through that because when they take your phone and they tell you you can't um email read or kill which was upsetting because that's what i went for uh except you know they meant bugs right but i didn't know that but when you see a bug you're supposed to get there's a bug scooper i wrote about it in yeah. the book that you go you suck it up and then you're supposed to tiptoe to not upset it or traumatize it because yeah. bugs can get traumatized and then you blow it out the exit and give it a namaste bow beautiful they meant that i thought killing okay they meant bugs but then um if hilarious stuff happened you know with we have to do an hour of volunteer work so i signed up to do the dishwashing team and it was a young girl and me and an older guy and she called us elders when you two elders i'll do the hard work and you two elders so i wanted to get that bitch (laughs) so when we were silent she was showing us how evolved she was so she was doing the dishes and the hard stuff she was doing the soaping yeah um and i was doing i thought hard too taking the plates from her and putting it in a slot that you think that's not hard and then shoving it to the old guy. Um, but she was drying really slowly to show us that she was very Mindful. evolved. Right. And so I went even slower <laughs> just to fuck with her. And um, it was after midnight when we finished. <laughs> and we were one with the plates. Because mm. I said Thich Nhat Khan talks about when, you're, um, when you do an action or a, a thought in the sunlight of awareness, uh, it becomes sacred. So we were doing sacred washing Mm. and the old guy never caught up. Mm -hmm. He was going as fast as he could. But by the end, I broke her. But there were funny, you know, funny things are going on. And then halfway through or I don't know, eight days in, suddenly your mind gives up. It's like you were arm wrestling and it just goes, I'm exhausted. I can't abuse you anymore. I'm too tired. And so you still get thoughts. It's not like you're empty, but they'll shoot through like a kind of, you know, you asshole, you forgot. And then another thing, you know, you're 
your parents were right. It doesn't finish. So you start to get more and more peace. Your body declares peace and you start to really, food is delicious because you're there, you're present. You're present. I was gonna, And then I wrote in the book I was going to call Eckhart Tolle to say, Eckhart, I'm present. <laughs> and then I go, it's Ruby. Ruby, what are you? Be oh, fuck you, Eckhart. <laughs> it's so brilliant because but I then think you, you do, you do get peace. But you realise, I mean, I certainly realised reading that, oh my God, when have I, how many moments have I felt like that where there isn't that constant brain chatter? It's so rare. It's rare, but you got to work it. Unless, is it sustainable when you come home? I could have been a little bit, but I went back to my, you know, something was wrong with me. Yeah. So I killed it. You know, it's like you don't deserve it. I took a job for potato crisps 24 hours later. Yeah. I had to sell my book and the running started. But it, I, I wasn't completely out of whack. Is that something does happen? I didn't go off to a spa and get some alternative thing. I did. 30 days, which has been going on 2,500 years for people to find peace. It, it wasn't invented last week. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Whilst you were there, there... You're not just doing silence, by the way, and then getting a pedicure. No, no, you've You're got doing, your yeah, teachers. For 13 hours yeah. a day. Yeah. So it's well, tricky. What I wanted to mention specifically was something one of the teachers said to you at the silent retreat, which was... A thread of harm runs through all of us and we need to identify what it is before we can rid ourselves of it. And this seemed like a bit of a revelation for you because it was related to your dad and how he would use cutting remarks to to sort of cut people down. And, to and so did superior. I. So this is something that you noticed in yourself. Was this, this was a revelation that you could see that you were doing a similar thing to your dad oh, who you found challenging. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe I knew it before, but, you know, all these things you know before, but again, they don't rise up and yeah. look you in the face, is that I used to play when I was in TV, because then you're desperate to make sure you never lose it, lose that job. So I would treat people, I would insult them, not my guests, like people behind the scenes, and then I'd smile, and they'd go, did she just try to hurt my feelings? But I'd smile, and then they'd think okay I'm safe and then I'd whack him again and then I'd smile and it was like playing with a mouse if you were a cat and I realized I was the same cruelty I got because they say the way you treat other people is the way you think to yourself and I didn't I knew I was doing something but when they say certain things at this 30-day retreat and your mind is pretty blank not no thoughts but it's got some space in it stuff comes home you learn lessons fast yeah, and that's a big one because we've all got that. We've all got these threads cruelty. of pain and the cruelty every single person and the, out uh, there. And the ability to declare war. Yeah. And, you know, until you face it yourself, it'll continue in the world. You'll continue polluting because you haven't faced, you are the enemy. Yeah, it's ultimate self-awareness, which is humbling and horrendous, but But so you can necessary. only do it when your mind starts to calm down. Yeah. If it's too busy, and I know busy you won't even be aware that when you're fighting for the environment, you're doing more damage. You have to be really steady. I always say fix yourself and then go save the world. Yeah. I'm not saying don't do it, but what's your motive? Mm -hmm. You want to get more busy? Do you want to get more angry? You have to do it out of love, you know, but, but I can't be in that state unless I have to do certain exercises. It's not natural to me. One of the other parts of the book I've really loved reading about which you touched on is you say your happy place is is it 80 meters or feet 80 feet underwater not 80 meters um what is it you love about being so deep in the water what makes you so happy down there well it's safe my parents can't get to <laughs> they have never gone 80 feet and you got that stillness so if you don't want to do mindful I like when the sound cuts out so I can't go to raves and things because I, it's there's too much noise in my head, and then there's even more. Yeah. So when it's deadly silent, that's when I'm. Well, it's deadly silent down there. Mm. Not all the time. I mean, you you die of nitrogen poisoning, but I like that when it goes. That's what happened at the um, retreat. Is I started getting up at four in the morning, let alone five, just so I could hear nothing. Mm. Just nothing. It's my favorite. Yeah. I think there are people that love lots of noise and they love the buzz and the distraction. Maybe they're feeding off it. I'm exactly the same as you. I feel het up, 
riled when lots of people are talking at me and there's a bus going past and the radio's on in the background. I'm I'm not good with all of that noise. Silence, which is so impossible to find. It's impossible. Is heavenly. Yeah. Heavenly. That's why they say nature's good, right? I'm not, you know, from that school. But when it's when you're there, it's not barking. Mm-hmm. You know, it knows how to be respectful and quiet. Yeah. But I don't have it much. But when I do have it, I'm too, my brain is too screwed here. You know, do I call? It's not even for work. You know, work I understood. But it's about, do I call this person? Am I nice to this person? Do I buy them a candle? Are they just helping my career? Oh, what if I piss them off? Then there'll be repercussions there. You know, you know who you like, but you get so confused. The people I like, I can't even get to. I'm with assholes most of the time. (laughs) Or I was in the past. Yeah. You know, because you think, oh, I better be friends with them. Mm. Because they've got some, they could pull some strings. Well, you're a whore. You're just a whore. Mm Mm-hmm. Now I really like being around, like, I went to this thing called Canaret. What's that? It was something I'd never heard of before. My friend bought me, you have to be invited. And it was like um, geniuses in AI and in science and in neuroscience. And they all meet in France. And um, I thought, oh, it's going to be a bunch of wankers. Mm -hmm. And I went, and you're sitting at a table, and there's somebody who tells you that one woman just happened to mention that she has a company where they get rats from Tanzania to deactivate landmines. So everybody's interesting. Another person just created Alexa. Okay, you might not be into it. Another person was a space doctor, and he told me what can go wrong in outer space with the astronauts. So they invite these kind of people and I thought this is as good as um silence yes this is as good as silence I don't want to know about your acting career I really don't care what happened in the play and the fact that they couldn't get your wig on straight I really don't give a shit but give me somebody who's reinvented (laughs) the wheel and I'm an idiot I know every hundredth word they're talking about but you go wow when human brains are that good oh beautiful yeah absolutely stunning out of all these things that you learned, whether it was from the trips that you went on or from the teachers or the shrink or doing the EMDR or whatever therapies you were doing, how much of it would you say has stuck for you to continue your life and to feel as balanced as possible? I don't know what balance feels like, but since I've written my book, I have gone on one trip to the next, to the next, to the next. This is my first day here. And unfortunately or fortunately, and I have the privilege of doing it, is that I like not having a home. And that was really disturbed me before is that I was driven out of my home, but I didn't know why. And I mean, here home with the kids. I was around when, well, I wasn't even around when they were young. I have to keep moving. Um, But I don't feel haunted by it and I'm not punishing myself. I'm a lucky bitch, and I get to go bicycling in Italy. You know, I don't ask for five-star hotels, but if you gave it to me, I wouldn't throw it out the thing. <laughs> or going to Canarin, and I was in a bed and Airbnb. I had to sleep on a... You know what I mean. I can sleep on the floor. You just don't want to be in one place. I just don't want to be You're in one nomad. place. And this was discovered... Is that bad? No, well, I mean, but do you think that the therapy has helped in that way? Because this was almost another discovery that you didn't want well, to be I at home. I was haunted, and I would go from one thing to another. Yeah. And, you know, the point was, I didn't get depression, but it was, ex- it, you thought, what's wrong with her? It was too fast. So, um, I, I did find those things pleasurable. I just felt so guilty about them and so judgmental and saying, what are you running from? And then I found out what I was running from. I was locked in. Okay, now I know I was locked in, but I like, I'm a nomad. So the kind of show ends, you know, where you say home is wherever I'm standing. Mm. And, and none of my friends may be like that. I mean, I, I was a freak as a kid and maybe I'm a freak now, but that's what I like. That's what I like. I think having, you know, the knowledge and acceptance, this is who I am, this is what I like, that's peace. That's peace right there. I like going to the airport. I like being in a room that's five feet by eight feet. That's what I like. Mm. If you put me, sometimes they go, we've given you a bigger room. No, I want a smaller room. I want to know if my parents are moving that doorknob. And I know it now, rather than thinking, that's weird. How come I keep going in monk cells? I know I like a monk cell, mm. and I know why. So it's all about, you know, things will stay the same. It's not like suddenly you have a revelation, and I've decided I'm going to 
get into flower arranging, you know, and just potter in the country. I'll never do it. I'll be dead first. <laughs> but it's so good knowing that's where the piece is, knowing, that's having it. the self-awareness and not being, not having that internal battle of I shouldn't be like this, I shouldn't be it's doing just, this. It's just I am. And my yeah. kids know yeah. that I, when, now that they've left the house, good luck seeing mommy. You're but, but I'll be there if they want it, but I'm off. Otherwise you're cycling in Italy. Or something else. Or something else. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that we've pinned you down for one day to get this chat done because otherwise I would be like on a tandem no, bike with go, you trying to you chat. go off with me. Oh, I would love to next time. Yeah. I want to do an adventure with you. Well, swimming with whales was no oh, walk in the park. A- any of them. Whoa. I'm, I'm up It's for. when you go, oh my God, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Mm. And I know you could do that gardening, but I just haven't got the secret. Yeah. To plant a petunia just doesn't do it. You need to go big. I need to go big and it can be hitchhiking with no money. I've got to be out there. I've got to be out there. Mm, yeah. I love it. Well, look, it's just the most brilliant book. I adored reading it and thank you. Thank you. Oh, Ruby, this is why I love the show. I love being able to oscillate between the extremes of darkness and humor within literally a few words. It's kind of just what being human's about, isn't it? Having all these feelings coexisting at once. Absolutely gorgeous stuff. The biggest thanks ever for your time, Ruby. I love hanging out with you. Ruby's brilliant book, I'm Not As Well As I Thought I Was, is out now. Oh, and we mentioned wonderful Professor David Nutt. If you want to hear more about his groundbreaking work looking at how psychedelics can treat numerous mental health conditions, you only have to scroll back a little way in your podcast feed. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. We had him on the show just a few weeks ago. All right, back here next week. In the meantime, you can always come and say hello on Instagram. We're at Happy Place Official. Massive thanks again to Ruby, to the producers of this episode, Anushka Tate and Matt Hill at Rethink Audio, and to you lovely lot. I love you. 